Hey, what's up everyone? Welcome back. Welcome current listeners, new listeners. This is episode 18 of WFS, The Will Ford Show. It is a Sunday evening. Like I said, it was either going to be a Friday, Saturday, or Sunday this week. I had the track meet yesterday. The Hank Smith Invitational in Heath, Ohio. Uh, not a great day for our team. Uh, we're not a very good team. We're not a very big team. Only scored one point for the guys and zero points for the girls. So one point combined as a team. Not very good. The competition there is really, really tough, so it's always a good test for us, but man, we got blown out of the water. Um, but it is Sunday. Like I said, I would bring I would bring one out on one of those three days. Let's jump into the show. Big news, breaking news as of like two days ago. The Dallas Cowboys cut Des Bryant. And this was a really surprising move to me. They talked there this there was talk about this all off season. And I really didn't think this would happen. One, because they, they restructured enough deals and, and moved some money around to be able to keep him. They have enough they have enough money and enough cap room necessary to keep him, which is why I thought it was I, th- I thought it was weird that they cut him. But in the long term, this makes a lot of sense. Number one, he's a distraction to Dak and the rest of the organization. Two, he's been really inconsistent for the last couple years with some flashes here and there. He's aging, so it makes sense to get him off the books. And it's... Really, it just makes the most sense for them to get rid of him now. I really thought they were going to pair him up with Hearns and see what that would look like, him and Alan Hearns, for for maybe a year or two and then move on. But in terms of financial flexibility, it makes sense to get rid of him. And really, the only kicker with this deal, with this, this move right here, cutting Dez, is that he could sign with an NFC East foe. And he said in his interview, or not interview, but in his meeting with Jerry Jones, he said, I'll see you guys twice next year, which means he really wants to stay in the NFC East. He has said he wants to stay in the NFC East. So him going up against the the young Cowboys corners, that may not bode well for Dallas if he goes to a team like Philadelphia, like Philadelphia needs more weapons, but he, I mean, he could go there. Philly says they're not interested, but it is Des Bryant. The Giants, I don't see happening just because they have Odell. They're going to have to pay Odell, and they're not going to want to pay both Odell and Des Bryant. Washington does make the most sense to me out of the three NFC East teams. They have the money. They don't have a lot of talent in their receiving core. It would give Alex Smith a really good target to throw to. So with those three teams listed, let's let's go through the top landing spots 
that I think Des Bryant could find himself in here in the very near future. The Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers, Des Bryant, and Jimmy Graham in the same offseason? Man, that could be something really special. That would be incredible. Imagine Des Bryant, Jimmy Graham, Randall Cobb, and Devontae Adams all on the same offense. That right there is enough to cover up the running game. And it's enough to, to mask the stench of their defense, which is horrible. That offense alone could actually win the NFC North for the Packers. Now, financially, I don't know if they would have enough to sign Des Bryant. If they, if they didn't have enough to keep Jordy Nelson, I don't know if they're going to have enough to get Des Bryant. But if they can somehow restructure some deals, get rid of some guys, and make it work, man, that would be incredible. The Chicago Bears. Now, even though the Bears have Allen Robinson and Taylor Gabriel, it definitely wouldn't hurt to add Des Bryant. They have plenty of cap space, around $24 million. It's just a question of whether Bryant would go there or not. I'm not sure, because the Bears are in a rebuilding phase at, at, at this point. I mean, it's a very quick rebuilding phase right now, because they've made so many... They've added so many pieces on offense. And I think Dez would be willing to go there because if Dez goes there, that's a that's an, a great trio of receivers for Trubisky. He's got two great running backs. Their defense, their front seven looks great. That the, the NFC North would be a very competitive division if you added Dez Bryant to the Chicago Bears. It's going to be competitive without him, but with him, it's even more competitive. It's just really a question of whether or not Dez wants to go to the Chicago Bears. The Buffalo Bills is probably another unlikely one. They have they have the cap space. They have around 15 million, which which would be enough to to get Dez Bryant. The, Dez Bryant's value when he hit free agency was around anywhere from eight to ten million dollars. So they the the Bills have enough money. But, I, again, I don't think Des Bryant is going to want to play for a so-so team. The Bills don't have a quarterback. They're likely going to draft one. Their defense is okay. He would be a number one, I would assume, with Kevin Benjamin being the number two. Shady McCoy is aging. It's just not a very good team. And I don't think Des Bryant would want to go there. Now, the Seahawks could be an interesting one. They only have about $9 million to spend, so they're going to have to be creative with their money and try to adjust some things. But Pete Carroll has never been shy about adding vocal players. Richard Sherman, Michael Bennett, Earl Thomas, Sheldon Richardson. And with Paul Richardson's departure to Washington... That's opened a hole for Seattle to go get another receiver. So money is a little bit of a problem, but if they can 
create some wiggle room. Des Bryant would be a great pickup for Russell Wilson. Now the New York Giants, the first of the NFC East teams. Now it's been reported that the Giants aren't interested in Des Bryant, and that would be because they have Odell, although that would be a tremendous pairing, Odell and Des, two very vocal guys who would probably be like throwing those those kicking nets around all game and throwing their helmets and crying and probably spooning with each other on the bench. But I, the, I don't think the Giants is a very likely scenario just because they have to pay Odell. They're going to have to pay him around $18 million. They're not going to want to pay Dez $8 to $10 million. $30 million on two receivers, that's a lot of money. So I just I don't think the Giants are likely. I don't think the Eagles are likely because they don't have a lot of cap. Really, I think it's Washington. We'll get to Washington later. The New England Patriots. Now I, I think it's unlikely Belichick would add a vocal, loudmouth guy like Des. And they just got rid of Brandon Cooks, so it is possible that they do add him. Because Bryant would really add an element to the passing game that's been missing. A deep vertical threat who can go up and win the jump balls. And Belichick has surprised us in the past. We always think Belichick's predictable, and most of the time he is. But sometimes he can throw a curveball at us, and I really wouldn't be surprised if they went after Dez. Now these next five, I think, are the the most likely out of the teams that I have mentioned. The Jacksonville Jaguars at five. The Jags came within one game of the Super Bowl last year. They were a quarter away from beating the Patriots and going to the Super Bowl. Their defense doesn't have any weaknesses whatsoever. But their offense does. They lack a true number one wide receiver after Allen Robinson just left. And they lost Allen Hearns, too. So I guess you get where we're going here. The Jags have plenty of cap space, over $18 million, to make a deal with Dez work. And Jacksonville can offer Dez a something that a lot of teams can't, and that's a chance to make another playoff run and go to a Super Bowl. And a plus for Dez. When he was when he was in Dallas, he didn't have to pay state income tax. That's the same thing in Jacksonville, Florida. So that's a plus for him. Now, I do think the biggest thing in the way of this deal, though, is Tom Coughlin, because Tom Coughlin is a no-nonsense guy. And Dez's attitude may not mesh well with Tom Coughlin, but if you're willing to sacrifice that with, for winning, then I think you've got to make this work. Number four, the Houston Texans. With no, f the, the Texans don't have any first or second round picks in this year's draft, so they're not going to be able to add any receivers in the draft this year. 
The Texans did add Honey Badger Tyron Matthew on defense. But they haven't really made any other big splashes besides that. And the Texans have ample cap space. They have $35 million in cap space to work with. So Des Bryant shouldn't have any problem getting money from them. The Texans can offer Bryant plenty of money, like I just said. And an opportunity to stay in Texas. He won't. He doesn't even have to move. And he's getting a really good young quarterback, kind of similar to Dak, in Deshaun Watson, who is coming off of injury, but he still is a up-and-coming star in this league. But the only problem, though, is DeAndre Hopkins. Is Dez going to be willing to be the second option to DeAndre Hopkins? Because that's a role he's not accustomed to playing, and I don't know if he's going to be willing to sacrifice that. Now we get to the top three. Number three, the Redskins. I think this is extremely likely. This is the most likely out of the NFC East teams. And like I said, Dez said, I'll see you guys twice this year to the Cowboys organization as he left. And I think even before Bryant said that, I think the Redskins would have been a pretty safe bet to be interested in Des Bryant. They, I, they would have landed high on any list, definitely on mine. Now it's said that the Redskins aren't aren't they don't have Des Bryant on their radar right now, but I don't believe that for a second, especially when you don't really have a true number one receiver. Paul Richardson is not a true number one; he's more of a complimentary guy. He's kind of a kind of that slot post kind of guy, streaks down the field routes. So Des would give them an immediate number one receiver. The Redskins have the money for him. They have $17 million. So that means they're going to have enough to get Bryant and also sign their entire rookie class. And really, you could actually create a nice receiving core for the Redskins. They have they would have Dez, Jamison Crowder, Paul Richardson, and Josh Doxton, who's been hurt a little bit, but he's shown some, some flashes of, of being good. And really, it would be a, a great receiving core for Alex Smith. And Daniel Snyder has never been shy about signing big names. So, really, this is kind of like a double dip, and I'll explain why. It's a double dip for both the Redskins and Dez. Not only do the Redskins get better... Dez also gets paid, so that works out for both of them. But they also get to stick it to the Cowboys in the NFC East while they do it. So that's the really, the really big kicker about this entire thing is that the Cowboys could end up getting burned in all of this. Number two, the Carolina Panthers. The Panthers, 
I don't they don't have a single receiver that I can name off the top of my head. Okay, well, Devin Funches. But really, they don't have any other receiver besides that. I can't name another one. Now, it's going to take a lot of wiggling around financially to make this work because they only have about $7 million in cap. But I'm sure they're already trying to figure out how to crunch those numbers. The Panthers didn't really have a good passing game last year at all. I think they were ranked in the bottom 10 in the league in in passing last year. So adding a Pro Bowl caliber wide receiver like Dez would would give them a massive boost. And it really fills a hole that they need. It's just really a matter of making the math work with the money. Now, number one, this would be huge, the San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers have more than enough cap room. Over $47 million in cap. John Lynch is probably the best general manager in football by far. And he's only, this is only what, his second year or something? Third year? Second year. I don't know. Who cares? He's still like the best one in football, in my opinion. He's extremely aggressive. He went out and got Jimmy Garoppolo, and then after five starts, he signed Garoppolo to a $137 million contract extension. And the Niners do need help at receiver. Marquise Goodwin's all right. He's unproven, but he had he had some good moments last year. Pierre Garçon is proven, but he's 31 years old, coming off of a neck injury that ended his season last year. So uh, taking a run at Bryant affords Lynch an unexpected chance to get better around Garoppolo. And it could really, really heighten the race between the Rams and them for the NFC West crown. I'm assuming John Lynch is already on the phone because getting getting Des Bryant, I think, is really key to getting Jimmy Garoppolo better and improving their playoff odds and Super Bowl odds. I, they're my dark horse, like I said, to win the NFC and go to the Super Bowl. Adding Des Bryant, I think, could go a long way towards that. And you'd have... And Dez doesn't have to do it all if he goes there because he's got Garcon there and he's got Goodwin there. So he doesn't have to harbor all of the targets. He can kind of play off of those guys. So I think it would really work out good for, for him and the 49ers. All right. So let's move on to... Going back to the New England Patriots, Rob Gronkowski is still mulling whether or not he should come back and play in 2018. Now, I thought this was already a done deal. I already I thought he was coming back, but I guess he is still considering it. So if he's gone, I don't think the Pats are going to make it out of the AFC this year. You have no Brandon Cooks. You have no Danny Amendola. And you'd have no Gronk. Tom Brady is not going to have a go-to guy. I mean, now it is the Patriots and they 
they find go-to guys out of thin air. They signed Jordan Matthews. Who knows? He he could be something probably. But all Brady's going to be left with is Edelman, and he may not even be, even be back before the start of the season. You have Chris Hogan. No idea what happened to Mike Mitchell. And then you have Jordan Matthews, plus whoever they they draft. They could draft a guy in the first round. They have two first-round picks. But I don't think they're going to use those picks on a tight end or a receiver just because they're really interested in moving up on a quarterback for a quarterback. That's what the reports say is that they're, they're really interested in Rosen. They're really interested in Mayfield. Tom Brady even said that Lamar Jackson is a great player. Who knows? Maybe they might go after Lamar Jackson. If Gronk's gone, I don't think the Patriots are going to be the same old Patriots next year. And really, it could be the early indications of a rebuild. Now, when I say rebuild, I mean just a down one or two years. I don't think it's going to be like a five-year rebuild. Or something like that. It's not going to be like the Browns or something. It, it wouldn't be very long. I would say one or two years where they're just kind of down. You know, they add some players in the draft. They kind of develop them. Because I think they're going to trade up and draft a quarterback. They have to. Tom Brady's 40. No backup plan. I don't think there's actually another quarterback on the roster might actually be Brian Hoyer, but they don't have a young developing quarterback on the roster. And the only, and I, it's, this is really all contingent on whether or not Gronk comes back. If they're good for the next year or two, if Gronk doesn't come back, they're going to have a down couple years. They'll retool and they'll be back. And when I say a down couple years, I don't know if they're going to necessarily miss the playoffs. I just don't think they're going to be that great I, because their their division is is crap. The Bills aren't going to win the division. The Jets, eh, maybe. Dolphins, no. Patriots will still probably win their division, but they're just not going to make a deep playoff run. That's what I mean by that. All right. Speaking of the Browns, Jarvis Landry signed a five-year, $75 million contract extension with the Cleveland Browns. Now, this is huge for the Browns. This gives them a consistent number one receiver for the next five years. Jarvis Landry is probably the most consistent receiver behind Antonio Brown. In terms of targets and receptions in, in every season, he, he's always near the top of the league in receptions every year. And we're going to get to him. We're going to talk about him a little bit more in, the, in this next segment. Boom or bust predictions for NFL offseason moves. We've got 14 guys here. We're going to start with Kirk Cousins, who signed with the Minnesota Vikings on a three-year, $84 million fully guaranteed deal. This is, this I would say is a boom 
a short-term boom move. They should have kept Case Keenum. Could have kept him for three years and significantly less money than Kirk Cousins. Because really, signing Kirk Cousins, they have handicapped themselves financially. Their defense, they're going to have to get rid of some of their pieces on defense just to have money. They're not going to have enough money to keep them. So short-term success in the NFC North. The next three years, or the next year or two, they're going to be really good. Really, really good. They'll win their division, I think. And they can be serious playoff contenders. But for like three years, $84 million, you could have kept Case Keenum for 18 to 20 and still kept your defensive players and really been a lot better off. Because I don't think Kirk Cousins is that much better than Case Keenum. I really don't think he is. Now, some people would say Case Keenum was the product of his environment, and that could be true. It could have been the perfect situation for him, but he balled out and led them to an NFC championship, and he was one bad game away from a Super Bowl. And that bad game wasn't even his fault. It's just Philly's defense was all over him. So for the next couple of years, it's a boom move. But in terms of financially, it's a bust move. Now, Alex Smith signed with the Washington Redskins. I think this is a boom. Alex Smith is a better quarterback than Kirk Cousins. He is older, so you're not going to have him as long. But he is extremely consistent. Doesn't throw a lot of interceptions. And he is significantly cheaper than what Kirk Cousins would have been if you had decided to either tag him again or sign him long term. Way cheaper. So I like this move for the Redskins. And they have a, a, a nice receiving core right now. If they get Dez, Alex Smith is going to have a heyday in Washington. I think this is a boom move. Now, Tyrod Taylor for the Cleveland Browns. This, I cannot give you a boom or a bust. Because it all depends on what the Browns do in the draft. If they draft a quarterback number one, who knows? They could start Tyrod for a year and develop whoever they draft. Or they could draft the quarterback and have him start right away. We don't know. I do like Tyrod Taylor, though. I love Tyrod Taylor because he has no idea what a turnover is. He does not know the definition of a turnover. So I really like him from that standpoint, and I think it could be a boom because of that. And Jarvis Landry loves consistent quarterback play. Tyrod Taylor is as consistent as they come. So I'll give you a boom for a year while they develop their quarterback of the future. Staying with the Browns, Jarvis Landry, like I said, this is a boom. Next five years of extremely consistent receiver play, 
always top two or three in the league in receptions. Really, I think he's a top ten receiver in the league. Maybe could even crack the top five. Could. Could crack the top five on some lists. I'm telling you what, the Browns could look really good here in the next couple years. Case Keenum with the Denver Broncos. This is sort of similar to Tyrod Taylor. The Broncos could draft a quarterback. They only have Keenum for two years. Keenum is really solid. He's going to get a similar receiving core to what he had in Minnesota. Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders are, are older, but they're still really good receivers. He's not going to have as good a running game, as good an offensive line. But I still think Case Keenum can thrive. So I think it's going to be it's going to be a, like, a, like a mini boom. I don't think it's going to be a boom. I definitely don't think it's a bust. I think it's a it's a mini boom. So we'll go in the middle there. Allen Robinson for the Chicago Bears as I think that's a huge boom. Mitch Trubisky was in a dire need of a number one receiver. His receivers last year were like Dontrell Inman and Kendall Wright and Kevin White. And I don't even know who else they had. Cameron, they had Cameron Meredith, but he was hurt all last year. This is huge for them. They also got Taylor Gabriel, which would be an, is, that's another boom. He just needs receivers to throw to. They they would not let Mitch Trubisky throw the ball at all last year because he didn't really have a good receiving core. Now I expect Trubisky to kind of let it rip a little bit. This is a boom move for the Bears. Sammy Watkins with the Chiefs. Sign with the Chiefs over the Dallas Cowboys. I think this is a bust move. Sammy Watkins has been hurt his entire career. He's got good down-the-field ability. But I just can't trust him to stay consistent. He wasn't really consistent with the Rams. I don't think he's going to be consistent with the Chiefs. And especially with a young quarterback at the helm who has only started one game. He's obviously going to have his flashes, but I don't think it's going to be transcendent. I don't think it's going to transcend their offense. It's going to improve it a little bit, but it's not going to put it over the top. Now the Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew with the Texans. This is a big-time boom. Because they needed secondary help. They need a playmaker on the back half of their defense. Tyron Matthew is one of the best young safeties in the league. And man, their defense is going to be a whole lot better. They're getting J.J. Watt back. Their defense is going to be great. The Texans are probably going to be the best or second best team in their division behind Jacksonville. Malcolm Butler... With the Tennessee Titans, I think this is a boom. Their secondary was horrible last year. Horrible. They don't have a very good pass rush, which doesn't help, but getting a, a top five, top ten corner like Malcolm Butler, that's certainly going to help. 
And Malcolm Butler is out to prove something this year. He didn't get to play in the Super Bowl for whatever reason. So he's going to be out to prove why he should have played in that Super Bowl. And he's going he's gonna to make Bill Belichick feel stupid for not playing him and not keeping him. So that's a boom for the Titans. Now the biggest boom of all booms is the Rams defense. Because they signed Nadam Kinsu, they traded for Aqib Tlaib, and they traded for Marcus Peters. <laughs> that defense is going to be incredible. Like I said, they don't have a weakness. They don't have a weakness. Their defense might be the best in the league now. Their offense is incredible. Gurley, Goff, and Brandon Cooks. They probably have the best kicker in the game in Greg Zerline, or at least top three or four. They have the best punter in the game in Johnny Hecker. They have, they have no weaknesses. This is, this is the biggest boom of all booms. Their defense is loaded. The secondary is incredible. Their defensive front is incredible with Aaron Donald and Ndamukong Sue up front. Man. Now Richard Sherman with the San Francisco 49ers. This is going to be a bust to start out because he's coming off an Achilles injury. So he's not going to be playing. He may not play well. He may not play at all right out of the gate. But when he does come back, he may not be himself right away. It always takes a while for them to come back to close to themselves. So busts to start, but once he kind of gets back into things, Richard Sherman is one of the best corners in the league. And honestly, I would take him with one Achilles over a lot of other guys. So long term, it's a boom. Short term, it's a bust. Jason Pierre-Paul with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Their pass rush, not very good, as I've mentioned in previous episodes. And they they traded a few picks to get JPP. Their pass rush is going to be a lot better, and it's going to help out their secondary, which is garbage also. And if they draft, if they happen to get Bradley Chubb, that... That defensive front, that pass rush is going to be really good. Or if they draft a, a defensive back, JPP is going to help that defensive back out. So that's a boom move. Now Jimmy Graham with the Green Bay Packers, that is a major boom. Like I said, anytime you give Aaron Rodgers a threat like Jimmy Graham, look out. Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in the game. You don't want to give him too many weapons because he's going to have too much fun out there. Alan Hearns with the Dallas Cowboys. The last of these 14 listed. This is a boom. Younger than Dez by about five years. Can work in the slot and outside can run multiple route combinations and he's going to be the, the number one as of right now 
assuming the Cowboys don't draft a receiver in the first round. And even if they do, Hearns, I think, is still the number one receiver. This is an upgrade over Dez, really. Talent-wise, Dez is more talented. But Alan Hearns is more mature. He's younger. He's significantly cheaper. And he's got higher potential. So this is going to be a boom for Dak and the Dallas Cowboys. All right, let's segue now over to a little bit of some draft, some NFL draft. Uh, the NFL draft is coming up in less than two weeks. I believe it's the 28th. Today is the 15th. I believe it's on the 28th. Uh, regardless, right now I want to rank the draft's best quarterbacks, specifically Darnold, Rosen, Mayfield, Lamar Jackson, and Josh Allen. Sorry, I was getting a drink there. Uh, and I want to do something a little different. I want to rank them. I'm going to rank them from five to one after I do this first, which is their low end projection and high end projection. So like their ceiling as a quarterback and their floor as a quarterback. And I'm going to compare them to other quarterbacks. You'll see what I mean in a second. So we're going to start with Josh Allen, his ceiling or his floor. Sorry, we're going to start with his floor. His low-end projection, I think, is Jamarcus Russell, which is the biggest bust in NFL history. Josh Allen is not a very accurate quarterback. Not very accurate. Believe it or not, I've actually seen a few Wyoming games. I saw a few. Trust me, I'm not lying. And he is horribly inaccurate. He is terribly, terrible at throwing accurately. But he has a cannon for an arm, and he's, he's extremely athletic. And that's exactly how Jamarcus Russell was when he was coming out of college. He wowed everyone out of the combine with his arm and with his athleticism. Josh Allen did the exact same thing. He could be the next Jamarcus Russell. His high-end projection... I think is Jay Cutler. Jay Cutler is another strong arm, mobile, athletic quarterback. But Jay Cutler developed more accuracy as his career progressed. He is not a, he's not a like a he's not great in terms of accuracy, but he's a lot better than Jamarcus Russell was. Jamarcus Russell couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. Jay Cutler is at least halfway decent in terms of accuracy. But Jay Cutler is another guy that's, like I said, athletic, strong arm. Josh Allen, I think, is very similar to that type of build. Next, Baker Mayfield. Now, the low end, I think a lot of you can guess what his low end projection would be. Does Johnny Football ring a bell? He's got the same the same moxie about him, the same confidence, arrogance about him. 
The only thing is about this projection is actually Johnny Manziel was a talented quarterback. I think he was very – he's talented. It was just he got into trouble with the off-the-field stuff and drugs and partying. And Baker did get in trouble with the cops once, but I don't think he's a Johnny Manziel. Although the comparisons are fair. So low-end Johnny Manziel – High end, I think, is Case Keenum. Case Keenum is extremely accurate, but also needs a little bit of help around him. And I think that's the same with Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield is extremely accurate, but I think it's going to need some pieces around him to win you some games. Next, Lamar Jackson. Now, I think this is the probably the most interesting one. This is really interesting to me. His low end, I think, is Tim Tebow, extremely mobile running quarterback who's not a tremendous thrower of the football, but when called upon can make some accurate throws. And really, I think he deserves some more chances in this league after he left Denver. And I get why Denver got rid of him. You're bringing in Peyton Manning. Of course you're going to get rid of whoever you had for Peyton Manning. But he should have had a chance to start elsewhere. What he did in Denver was magical. But Lamar Jackson has a similar skill set to him throwing in. I think Lamar Jackson's a better thrower than Tim Tebow. But in terms of running the football, he's very similar to Tebow. His high end, Michael Vick 2.0. I think he could be the next Michael Vick. Michael Vick was uh, has a very strong arm, probably the fastest quarterback in NFL history, and is just extremely mobile and has a tremendous pocket presence. Lamar Jackson can throw the football. I think he can throw the football as good as Michael Vick did, and obviously he can run with it. He's Lamar Jackson's not a receiver; he's a quarterback, and I think he can be a very successful one. Next, Josh Rosen. I think his high end, we'll do the high end start on this one. His high end, is, I think, is Aaron Rodgers. He kind of has the similar arrogance about him because Aaron Rodgers has a little bit of arrogance to him for good reason. He's the best quarterback in the game. He actually kind of looks like him a little bit. But they kind of have similar play styles. They kind of improvise a little bit. They kind of do things with their feet. Pretty accurate. Can make some great throws. The only problem with Josh Rosen is his durability, which is why I have him as his low end, Sam Bradford. Sam Bradford is probably the he's pro, he would have been a great quarterback had he not been injured so much. He was tremendous coming out of Oklahoma. And man, his knee has just not been kind to him. But Sam Bradford is a pretty accurate quarterback, and he's actually pretty decent barring the injuries. So high-end Aaron Rodgers, low-end Sam Bradford. I think that's a pretty fair, fair comparison there. Now Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold is another interesting one. 
His high end, I think, is Andrew Luck. I've even said before that I think he can be better than Andrew Luck. And Sam Darnold is incredible. He, he's got a very strong arm. He's kind of turnover prone like Andrew Luck is a little bit. Kind of turnover prone. But he's got the mind of an NFL quarterback. I think he is ready to contribute in this league. The only problem with him, though, that I'm not sure about is can he win you big games, like games that matter? Because it's one thing to win regular season games, but it doesn't mean anything if you can't win playoff games. I have as low end as Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton is a good regular season quarterback. He's a fine quarterback. But you put him in a playoff game, Andrew, or Andrew, Andy Dalton kind of craps himself a little bit. He cannot win in the playoffs. Sam Darnold against Ohio State, albeit Ohio State was a really good, had a really good defense, NFL quality defense, but you're playing, you're going to be playing NFL quality defenses now. I don't know if Sam Darnold can win you playoff games early on. I don't know if he's going to be able to do it. So high-end Andrew Luck, low-end Andy Dalton. And so now my rankings from 5 to 1, 5, Josh Allen, 4, Lamar Jackson, 3, Baker Mayfield, 2, Josh Rosen, 1, Sam Darnold. I think that is a, I think that's a pretty good order there. You might flip a few of them somewhere, but I think Darnold is the best quarterback in this class. Rosen right behind. Only problem is his durability. Baker Mayfield is extremely accurate. Only problem is his, his arrogance. Lamar Jackson's kind of a wild card. He can, he could either be really great or he just won't translate because he is a little bit undersized. And Josh Allen, very inaccurate, but is extremely athletic and has a cannon for an arm. So with that, let's transition over to my NFL mock draft, I believe 6.0 now. I believe it's 6. It might actually be 7. But let's start now with pick number one, the Browns take Sam Darnold. I don't think Tyrod Taylor is their future of the franchise, although he's a very good, very consistent quarterback. Sam Darnold, like I said, the best in the class. There you go. Number two, the Bills are going to trade up with the New York Giants. And they're going to take Josh Allen. I have a feeling the Bills are going to fall into this trap. I... I like I said, I've been high and low and low on some of these quarterbacks. I was really high on Josh Allen for a while. Now I'm kind of sinking off on him a little bit. His accuracy kind of scares me. 
I think the Bills are going to fall into that trap a little bit. I'm not saying Josh Allen can't be good. He could be the greatest quarterback we've ever seen. We don't know. We have no idea. Bills need a quarterback, and a lot of teams like Josh Allen, so we'll see. Number three, the, the Jets take Josh Rosen. Josh McCown's 40. Teddy Bridgewater, they only signed for a year because of his injury status. So it's clear that they don't have a long-term solution at quarterback. Josh Rosen, Aaron Rodgers' potential. You got to go get him. Number four, I don't think the Browns are going after Saquon Barkley anymore. They have not set up a meeting with him. So I think they're going to go defensive back here. They need a corner. Denzel Ward, best cover corner in this draft. By far. Need a corner. Number five. The Denver Broncos get Bradley Chubb to pair up with Vaughn Miller. That would be probably the greatest defensive end duo in history. Maybe not in history, but like in the last five to ten years, probably. That would be an insane duo. And they kind of need someone to pair up with Von Miller. And really getting them would actually help their secondary out a little bit because their secondary is aging. They lost Tlaib. So it's not as strong. Having a good pass rush is really going to help them out. Number six, I had the Colts getting protection for Andrew Luck at six with Quentin Nelson, but now that Saquon Barkley's there, Andrew Luck needs a home run hitter as well as protection. You probably got to go with, with the best available player here because you can get linemen later in the draft. You can also get a running back later in the draft. It's a loaded running back class, but there's always plentiful amounts of linemen in the draft. So I think I'd be willing to sacrifice that for Saquon Barkley. You need Saquon Barkley to pair up with Andrew Luck. Number seven, the Bucks need help in the secondary as well as pass rush. Bradley Chubb isn't there. Minka Fitzpatrick, I think, is perfect for their secondary. He doesn't really have a position. He's either corner or safety. Put him at safety. Really a ball-hawking player who's extremely athletic, knows, knows how to play defense. That would be a great fit for Minka. Number eight. The Bears need a linebacker, but if you want to protect Mitch Trubisky for the next 10 years, give him a potential Pro Bowl offensive lineman for the next 10 years, Quentin Nelson is the way to go. Trubisky's got the running back help. He's got the help on the outside. He's got help at tight end. He's already got a solid offensive line, but if you add Quentin Nelson, that offense is complete. That offense is complete. Number nine, San Francisco 49ers get Derwin James. Denzel Ward's off the board. Minka's off the board. Derwin James, they still need help in the secondary. They could use another corner. They could actually go Josh Jackson here out of Iowa. But Derwin James, I think, is too talented to pass up. Really good ball hawking safety. Like Minka, you got to get him. 
Number 10, another trade. The Patriots are going to trade their two first-rounders at the end of the first round here. Trade up with the Raiders. And number 10, they're going to get Baker Mayfield. They're really interested in Baker. They do not have a backup plan at quarterback. And they really like him. I, I can see them trading up. I could even see even see them trading up to number one with the Browns. I could really see it. And, and if I were the Browns, I would definitely do that. Because you can still take a quarterback at four. That would be a really, really nice trade for the Patriots. And now we're going to go a little bit past 10. The Dolphins are going to get a quarterback as well, Lamar Jackson at 11. I think they're going to move on from Tannehill. Lamar Jackson gives them an interesting dual-threat quarterback who can kind of make up for the loss of Jarvis Landry in terms of explosiveness on offense. Number 12, this is the Giants pick now that they've traded with the Bills. The Giants have a need at quarterback, but all of the quarterbacks are gone. All of the top five, anyways, that I like. You could take Mason Rudolph, but I don't really like him. They need offensive line help. I can see them reaching a little bit and getting offensive guard Will Hernandez. He's kind of projected in the, the latter half of the second round, but they need help on the offensive line really bad. Really, really bad. They could go up Mike McGlinchey out of Notre Dame. They just need somebody. They need somebody. Eli's not going to be around forever. He's broken down. He needs time to throw the ball. And then number 19, we're going to jump all the way to 19. This is the Dallas Cowboys after... Des Bryant's departure, they're going to get Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley's kind of undersized. He's six foot, around 190. And a lot of people doubt he can be a number one receiver in this league. But the best receiver in football, Antonio Brown, is five foot 11. So you don't necessarily have to be like Calvin Johnson and be six foot six, 220 pounds to be the best receiver in football. Cowboys are going to get Calvin Ridley. All right. Let's move on to the NBA. So Russell Westbrook averaged a triple-double for his second consecutive season in a row. He needed 16 rebounds in his final game and got it. And he was actively pursuing rebounds, and he also got help from his teammates to get those rebounds. And I don't like that at all. You should achieve history by, by being great, by, by just doing it, not by padding your stats, purposely trying to get a specific stat. You should be just doing it to help the team. You should be doing whatever you can to help the team, not be focusing on stats. Westbrook loves stats. He loves them. That's why Kevin Durant's in Golden State. He doesn't care about stats. He cares about 
good basketball, and winning championships. Russell Westbrook only cares about stats and MVPs. And, and that's also why Paul George is probably going to be out the door here next year. And speaking of which, the Thunder are a sixth seed with all that talent they have on their roster. Paul George is an all-star. Russ is an, is an MVP. And Melo is a future Hall of Famer. And Steven Adams is a quality center. And you're a sixth seed. I get that the, the West is really tough this year. But the Thunder are way too talented to be a sixth seed. Way too talented. But my mids, my end of season awards, I would give James Harden the MVP. Rookie of the year is going to go to Ben Simmons, although I don't agree with that because he's not technically a rookie. It should go to Donovan Mitchell, but it is what it is. Ben Simmons is still a great player. I'm not knocking him one bit. It's just the, the whole rookie thing. If you haven't played yet, you're still a rookie. Ben Simmons could have played last year. He had a broken foot and sat out the entire season for an injury that takes like two, three months tops, depending on the severity. He could have played last year, and they decided to keep him out. Um, sixth man of the year, I would probably go Lou Williams on that. Defensive player of the year, Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis has been a machine this year. And coach of the year, I'm going to give that to Dwayne Casey from Toronto. Number one seed in the East over Boston, who had Kyrie, and over the Cavs, and over the Sixers. I mean, the Sixers actually could even be... Sixers head coach could even be at the top there, just being a third seed in the East, improving that much. But I would give it to Dwayne Casey for being the number one seed, beating LeBron out, beating Brad Stevens out. There you go. That Those are my end-of-season awards, my predictions. All right. Now I want to do the NBA playoff first-round predictions. I want to give you my predictions for that. In the Western Conference, the Rockets versus the Timberwolves. I've got the Houston Rockets in five. I don't think the Timberwolves really have enough. Andrew Wiggins doesn't want to be a third option on that team, although this is an opportunity for him to shine. Jimmy Butler is really going to have to carry this team if they're going to win more than one game in this in this series. I just don't think they're quite ready yet. They're just not ready. Again, they're also too talented of a team to be an eight seed. The Golden State Warriors versus the Spurs. Golden State in five. Kawhi Leonard was supposed to play in game one. Don't know what happened to that. He didn't end up playing. If he doesn't play, it's likely a sweep. If he does play for the remainder of the series, I'll give the Spurs one game. And then it'll be bye-bye Kawhi, trade with the Cavs, get that Brooklyn pick, and Popovich has got his next star for the next 10 to 15 years. Portland versus the Pelicans. 
Portland's a three seed. Pelicans a six seed. No. That's not right. Is it right? Did, OKC is not a six seed. OKC is a five seed. I apologize. Regardless, OKC is too talented to be a five seed anyways. They should be in the top three. But Portland versus the Pelicans, three and six. I think this is an upset. The Pelicans. I think the Pelicans have already won game one, as did the Warriors in game one of their series with, series with the Spurs. Pelicans won game one. I think the Pelicans, Anthony Davis is on a roll. The whole team's on a roll. Rajon Rondo's on a roll. Pelicans in six, baby. The Jazz versus the Oklahoma City Thunder. Donovan Mitchell's been on a tear. I cannot trust Russell Westbrook to be consistent because he, well, he's going to be consistent with his triple doubles, but in terms of just playing good basketball, the entire team, that entire big three, I don't know if they can do it. I got the Jazz in seven. In the Eastern Conference, Toronto versus the Washington Wizards. I'll take Toronto in six games. And Toronto, I think, could be different this year. I think it's different for them. They, I, I think they have an opportunity to make the finals. Celtics versus the Bucks. Celtics don't have Kyrie Irving. They did win game one of this series versus the Bucks. But I don't think they're going to win this series, though. I will take the Bucks in seven. It'll be a tough series for the Bucs, but I think they'll pull it out. Philadelphia versus the Miami Heat. I've got the 76ers in five games. They do not have Joel Embiid right now. He is slated to come back in either game two or three. Without him, they win it in five. With him, still probably five, maybe even a sweep. But I will, I will say five. And lastly, the Cleveland Cavaliers. And the Indiana Pacers. The Indiana Pacers stole game one from the Cavs. And the first quarter differential is like 33 to 14 advantage Indiana. That's incorrect. That's insane. It's insane. And LeBron James's streak of 21 games in a row of winning in the first round came to an end. I still have the Cavs in this series. I'll take the Cavs in six games. Cavs in six. And then after the first round is over, I will do a prediction for the second round. And we'll just keep going from there. All right, guys, that's it for me. Follow me on Twitter at The Will Ford Show. Rate and review the show on iTunes. Like and share on SoundCloud. Share this with your friends, your family anybody just share it with everybody you know make sure you tune in next week thanks for listening it's wfs